You're listening to The Thrive Podcast, where every week we dive into a practical, tactical tip to bring you from a life of simply surviving to thriving. It's personal development for the everyday girl who is done with coasting through her days, done with feeling like she's missing out on the deeper meaning of her own life, and done with mediocrity once and for all. Because it's not enough to simply survive, you deserve to thrive. Welcome back to Thrive. In today's episode, I'm having a conversation with Stephanie Berryman, a leadership coach and consultant and an Amazon bestselling author who knows all about reducing stress and increasing productivity, especially in really high pressure jobs or challenging family situations. She just came out with her new book, Working Well, 12 Simple Strategies to Manage Stress and Increase Productivity. So she's truly a perfect guest and expert on helping us all thrive more at work and beyond. So be sure to stay tuned through this episode, drop us your thoughts on social media, and without further ado, welcome Stephanie. Thank you so much, Erica. It's great to be here. Oh, I'm so happy to have you here on Thrive, all the way from Australia. We were just talking before how it's winter there and summer here, so it's kind of crazy. And it's Tuesday for you, I think, right now, and it's Monday it is, for yeah. me. So we're like on, we're like in other worlds right now. So I love that we can come together on the internet and have this conversation. So why don't you kick us off with a bit of your backstory and how you came to be where you are today, because you have such an interesting background and expertise. And I think this is going to be such a helpful conversation for everybody listening in. Thanks. Well, you know, my career path has certainly been a bit of a winding road. I was one of those people that did the 10-year degree plan. Oh, So I my. did a couple of years um, of university and then just thought, no, I don't want to do that. So I spent my 20s traveling internationally and leading wilderness trips and working with youth. And then by the end of my 20s, I was like, I think I need a little more stability and a bit of a paycheck. And so I went to teacher's college and about two weeks before I turned 30, I graduated from teacher's college with a ton of debt and some certainty that I never, ever wanted to teach. Um, (laughs) You want to talk about a stressful job? Wow. So I was lucky enough to get work at a not-for-profit, the Canadian Mental Health Association. So I was their director of uh, public education. Um, And it was a big job. It was my first job managing staff. I had 10 staff, five of whom lived with persistent and severe mental illness. So it was really challenging to run my programs and manage staff and figure all this stuff out. Um, and I was also um, out teaching a lot, right? So I would be out teaching courses on how to manage your stress, ironically, when I was super stressed out from my own job. Um, and I'll fully admit that at that point, I was not living the strategies that I was teaching. So, you know, I would teach like, okay, you know, meditation is really good. But I'd be like, oh, but it's so weird and it's so boring and I just can't get into it and, you know, get enough sleep. But I was like, but I'm too busy. And, you know, it was just, it was one of those situations where I was in a super high stress job, but I wasn't really taking care of myself or doing the things that I knew I was supposed to be doing. And I'm sure many of us can relate to that where it's like, yeah, I know if I do these things, it'll be really good for me, but it gets hard to do them. Story of my life. (laughs) (laughs) So, and then my mom, who had had health issues for most of her life, she got quite sick. And because she was living in Mexico at the time, my uncle was down there visiting her and he called me and he said, there's something wrong with your mom. I don't know what is wrong with her, but I'm sending her to Vancouver. This is your problem now. You sort it out. So 
long story short, uh, you know, after a few heartbreaking months of just trying to figure out what was going on with her, uh, she was diagnosed with Alzheimer's. So I was like working a super stressful job and I now had a super stressful family situation and I was single. The rest of my family was living in Saskatchewan. So it was, it, it became a really, really stressful time. Um, and the stress started impacting me. So as you know, I was having trouble concentrating at work. I was getting these weird chest pains, right? I had to go in for an EKG, which, and everything was totally fine. So I knew it was stress related. Uh, I couldn't sleep. I was getting really tired. And then, you know, because I was working in mental health and I was hearing all these stories, I also knew that stress was like a precursor to a mental illness. So I realized that if I didn't start to take some action, I was going to have some serious either physical or mental health issues. And I knew that if I went down, like, you know, this program and and the work that I was so passionate about was all going to come apart. There wouldn't be anyone to take care of my mom. Like it it became really important to start taking care of myself. Um, So that's what I did. I started using some of the strategies that I was teaching. Um, and they helped, like they helped a lot, right? I realized, oh, this is really good stuff. The research says it's good stuff, but actually when I'm doing it, it's working. So, you know, through those three long years of my mom's illness, through her passing away, that's the strategies were what really carried me through and helped me manage all the stress that came from that. So that's kind of how I, how I came to start to learn and use the strategies. And then about 10 years ago, you know, I decided that I, I didn't want to just work with people after they were stressed out. I wanted to be a bit more proactive and actually um, help people manage their stress before it became such a big issue. So I went back and I did my master's in leadership. And um, yeah, I started my own business and, you know, started teaching people how to communicate more effectively, how to manage the stress in their relationships, how to reduce the stress in their job, how to be more productive. So that was kind of how the path that I took to get to, to where I've landed today. It's a very, a very circuitous path. Love it though, because it's so relevant to people listening to the Thrive Podcast, because I always say we're kind of striving to go here from a life of simply surviving to thriving, which is like exactly what you do. It's like you help everybody <laughs> get from their ho-hum of everyday working life to being more proactive and preventative with things that will probably inevitably come up in work, in family. We all get stressed out. We all know the feeling and we all could probably use a little bit more productivity here and there as well. So this is like the perfect synthesis here for everybody listening to really kind of take control of something important in life. Oh, that's great. And I do, you know, I really love what I get to do because it is that, that difference, right? When, you know, someone comes to you and they're super stressed out and they're struggling and they're hating their life and then to be able to really work with people and give them strategies and see the strategies work and see people, you know, I, I had one client who, you know, she went from like, she was working till 10 every night. She was never seeing her husband. She'd lost most of her friendships. She was so stressed out and she wasn't even getting her work done. Right. Mm. It was like, just go, go, go. And, you know, through our work together, she started getting more work done during her days. She realized that working till 10 every night was actually making her less productive she started, and what I loved was she started making uh, dates with her friends to oh, force her awesome. to leave work, right? So it's like finding those little ways to get us out of our habits and our patterns and into something that's better for us. Mm-hmm. And we so, get our lives back. Exactly. So talk to us about stress, because at its core, what is it? Like kind of break it down for us and how does our body react to it? 
what are maybe its long-term effects if we don't pay attention to it and manage it properly? Because I mean, you're the expert here and I think we all hear stress. Oh, I'm so stressed. But can you break it down to so that people really understand why, what it is and why it's so important that we be proactive about paying attention to it and, and harnessing it in our lives? For sure. I mean, stress is, what I find really interesting about stress is that stress isn't defined by the events or the circumstances that we experience. It's defined by how we respond to it. Mm. So, you know, if you look up the dictionary definition of stress, it will say it's a mental or emotional state in response to events or circumstances. And to me, that's where all our power lies is stressful things happen, but it's how we respond to them that will kind of make or break our situation. Right? So, you know, in my situation, the stress wasn't my mom's Alzheimer's. The stress was my emotional response to that. So when we can shift our emotional response or we can shift our mental state, then we get our stress under control, no matter what's going on. There can be 18 super stressful things going on in our lives, but we can actually be calm and at ease in the midst of that if we've got the right mindset. So I think that, um, you know, like what I find super fascinating about the research on stress and in terms of how it impacts our health is that it's, it's our stress response that impacts our health, not what's actually happening to us. So, you know, a study published in the Washington Post a few years ago they found that people who perceive their everyday hassles as very stressful, they have the same mortality rates as people who were going through really stressful events. Wow. So how, how a person perceives their stress and re- reacts to it emotionally, that's what was incre- associated with the increased risk for heart disease and for death. So to me, that's such a key piece, right? Is we need to figure out how do we respond to the stressful events in our lives? Because as you said, stress is going to happen, right? That's not going to go away. Stress is a very natural part of living in the modern day world. And, you know, I think if this year has shown us anything, it's that there's a lot of stressful things happening that are completely beyond our control. So where our power lies is in our ability to choose how we respond to those things. And, you know, what I, what I often say to people is like, you know, we're hardwired to get super stressed out. That's like the neuroscience, right? It's how our brains work. And the reason is, you know, if our brains see a risk or a threat, they think that's a lion, it's going to come and eat me, right? So we kind of go into that place of being really highly stressed, but we need to, um, you know, kind of take a step back and calm the brain down and say, you know what, that's not actually a lion. Like that difficult coworker there, that's not a lion. That's not enough of a reason to get highly, highly stressed out. So, you know, I think, you know, and, and I've certainly fallen into the trap too, right? It, it can be really easy, especially when we're already at a, a bit of a, an elevated stress state for us to get super stressed about those little things, right? Where it's like, oh my God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to miss this deadline at work or I've lost my keys or like my coworkers being difficult or my kids are being nightmares. And we have these huge stress responses to that, but that has such negative effects on our health, on our mental health. So, you know, what I really work with people on is, you can't control anything that happens around you, but what you can control is how you respond to it. So, and I know that you asked about, you know, how, how stress shows up in the body, right? And what, one of the things I always ask my clients to do is recognize your own unique indicators that you're stressed, right? Because each one of us has, a, you know, 
an indication, right? So for some people, it might be that they get, they get really bad headaches. Uh, you know, for a lot of people, it can be that they're, they're having trouble sleeping, right? So it's really difficult to fall asleep or to stay asleep. Some people get sore neck, sore shoulders. You know, for me, it's the back. That's when I get stressed. I know it's my back starting to get a bit sore. Um, a lot of people get digestive issues. And then, of course, there's also the, the kind of the personality stuff, right? So people can be a little bit more irritable. They can have trouble concentrating. Um, I think a lot, of, a lot of times we start to take these things as normal. But if we can actually pay attention and notice when those signs are showing up, Stress is just like any other illness, right? If we catch it early, that's when we can reverse the effects and it's a lot easier to reverse the effects. So I always recommend notice what are your, you know, we even make a little list. Like these are my, my top three signs when I'm starting to get a little bit stressed. And then when you notice those, that's the time to start implementing some of the strategies to reduce the stress. That's so interesting. So how much control do we have over the things that stress us out then? Or, and also too, do we have any kind of control over what our physiological reaction to it is? Like, is, mm -hmm. that, is that something that, you know, what determines if you have a digestive issue and I get a headache or, or, mm -hmm. or what? Is that something that is directly correlated to what's, how we're responding or can we, can we control that at all? Well, I think so. Yeah, I don't think so. I mean, I think we're all, we're all hardwired to carry our stress in different places so that's, you know, the unique wonder of being humans. <laughs> um, but, but I think what we can do is start to control our physiological reaction to the stress, right? So, you know, very often, like for me, when I get stressed, I can feel my shoulders hunch up. So as soon as I notice that, it's like, okay, great. Thank you for sending me the signal that I'm stressed. And now I get to do something about it, right? So I get to go for a walk. I get to relax my shoulders. I get to take a few deep breaths, right? Because when we notice the physiology, that's where we can make the change. So I think that that's a really important piece. Um, and, you know, I know you asked, like, how much control do we have over what's stressing us out? And, you know, really, I think we have very little control over the events that happen in our lives, but we have all the control in the world over how we respond to them. And that's where our power really lies. Are there maybe a couple of different things that you recommend people do if they're first kind of starting off on this journey of wanting to better control their reactions to stress. If there's, you know, maybe there's someone who has, gets very stressed out very frequently or is kind of high strong and is easily triggered by things. Are there maybe a couple of techniques or things that you think are kind of like universally recommended <laughs> when it comes to trying to practice a different way? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's a few things, you know, one of the things that I always suggest to ask yourself in that moment is how much is this going to matter to me in five years? Mm. Because it just <laughs> puts everything in perspective, right? It's like in the moment when you're super stressed out, it's like, oh yeah, you know what? In five years, I'm not even going to remember this, right? It's going to be nothing. So it's not actually worth me getting so worked up about. So that's like a mindset thing. But I think, the thing that I have just become such a proponent of is something called box breathing, which is an actual physical thing that you can do. And it's ultimately just about taking deep breaths, right? So it's, but it's, yeah. So you, you basically take a breath for four seconds, you inhale for four seconds, you hold for four seconds, you exhale for four seconds, and then you hold for four seconds. And even just going through that cycle once or twice has such an impact in the moment 
of, you know, basically what it does is it calms our entire system down because we're getting more oxygen to our brain, which is calming the brain down and allowing us to think more clearly, right? And, you know, I always say to people, it's like getting stressed is the worst thing we can do to actually help us solve the problem, right? We don't think clearly when we're stressed out. So when we can take a step back and go, okay, like how much is this really going to matter? Right. And, you know, I often do too, like, you know, on the grand scheme of my life today, right now, is this worth me having a heart attack over? You know, <laughs> like, because that's, we know that that's what this is ultimately going to result in. Right. So just to just kind of go, okay, you know, give, give myself a little perspective and then also take some deep breaths or do some box breathing to really start to shift that stress response. And they're seemingly simple things. But I think there's a reason that so many people are still so stressed out and it's because we don't do them. <laughs> so I think that's, that's such an awesome little, I was doing it while you were explaining it. I tried breathing more and all of a sudden you, you feel the sense of peace kind of come over you and you feel every, all the, any sort of tension that you had holding, you feel it kind of start to melt away. So it really does work. It's so cool. And it's, you know, even, yeah, just taking those deep breaths, like, well, you know, maybe you can't figure out the whole box breathing thing, but just taking a couple deep breaths. I remember when my kids were little, you know, they would have all these temper tantrums and they'd be, you know, and the, the school had taught them, you know, you need to smell the soup, right? So do a big inhale and then blow on the flowers. No, smell the flowers, blow on the soup, right? So I'd be saying to them, okay, smell the flowers. And I'd be taking these big inhales and they would just be absolutely losing it they wouldn't do it at all. Right. But for me, I was like, Whoa, this is making a big difference. I mean, calm in this moment, like this is, this is working. So just the little things. And I think, you know, you said it, it's like, we know what to do, but sometimes we don't do it. And I think that that's habits, right. And especially with how we respond to stress, we have a habit of how we respond to stress. And it's usually formed in childhood, right. It's from watching the people around us and how they respond to stress. So we need to replace our kind of high stress response habits with some of those like calm Zen habits. Like, okay, you know what? First thing I'm gonna do right now is take a couple deep breaths. Next thing I'm gonna do is ask myself, how much does this really matter? Is this worth having a heart attack over, right? So a couple little tweaks that we make and, and when we start to implement them as habits, that's when we start to see the shift. That's awesome. I love talking about habits too. Can you explain more about how habits do play a role here? I guess both in managing stressors, but also in whether or not we're truly being productive too, because that's obviously the other, the other part of everything that we'll be talking about <laughs> with your new book that just came out too. So how, how, does, how do habits impact both of those? Right. Well, I mean, habits are huge. And I, you know, I did obviously a lot of research for the book on habits. Um, and Charles Duhigg's book, The Power of Habit is fantastic if people want to check it out. Um, and what he really does is he explains how habits are formed and how, you know, you'll notice earlier, I said, replace that high stress habit with a with a with a more positive habit of taking a breath. Because what they've found is that it's really hard to break habits. And I think a lot of us think, okay, I'm just going to break this habit. But what we want to do is replace our habits. So, you know, I definitely think that we have a lot of habits in terms of how we respond to stress. You know, for me, my negative habit of responding to stress is to grab the chocolate. Mm. You know, for, for, <laughs> a lot of know <laughs> for a lot of people I know, it's grab a glass of wine or, you know, just spend a lot of time complaining about it or venting about it or, you know, talking about it. But those are actually negative habits that increase our stress long-term, right? So it's 
again, each of us has our own unique way that we're going to respond to the stress and our own unique habits. So we've got to recognize what is that habit of how we respond and then what can I replace it with? So, you know, for me, I was, I got really good at like every time I want a chocolate, I would grab an apple <laughs> um, because apples like apparently have the same effect as, as caffeine and they wake you up and they're really good. Right. So I got really good at, okay, here's my replacement. And then every once in a while I'll give myself a treat, but not as a response to stress, but just as a treat of having the chocolate because I've then created the new habit. So I think in terms of stress, you just need to recognize what is the way that I respond to stress, right? What's my go-to? And all of us have our go-tos. Um, and what's a healthier way that I could replace that with, right? And that's, you know, obviously I have tons of strategies in the book, but um, once we recognize that we've got a negative habit and we replace it, then we're in a better state. And then, you know, in terms of productivity, holy, like the, ha the habits that we are in, generally I'd say 80% of the population is in practicing habits that actually interfere with our productivity and then make us less productive. And, you know, part of that is societal, right? It's like this, this belief that if we work super hard and if we work really long hours, we're going to be more productive. But research has actually found that if you're working more than four, I think it's 50 hours a week, not only does your productivity fall off a cliff, but it has negative impacts on your health you're more likely to be obese, you're more likely to get cancer, has negative impacts on your relationship, you're like three times more likely to be divorced. So, you know, we have all these terrible habits around our productivity. You know, a lot of people think also they hold up multitasking as the height of productivity. But, you know, there's a scientist, Harold Pashler, who did um, some research and he found that when we're multitasking, we go, if, we're, if people try to do two tasks at once, their cognitive capacity drops from that of a Harvard MBA to an eight-year-old. Oh my like, gosh. It's huge. And you think about how we relate to our phones. How often are we multitasking, right? Wow, that's, that's actually scary. It is really scary. So I think, you know, to me, if we, can, if we can stop multitasking, right? And if we can change our relationships with our phones and our computers and the notifications that we're always getting, because that pulls us away from tasks. And it, you know, I know we're kind of, we're heading into the, the productivity stuff, but um, when we switch tasks, we, it, you know, and this, when I read this study, I was like, oh my God, I need to do something different, right? So what, what they found was that even having our phones on our desks when we're working reduces our productivity by 30%. Wow. Because and with that, just, I'm going to move my phone over yeah, there. <laughs> I, I started, I started turning my phone off and putting it in a drawer because I realized like, you know, I used to always have it out, right? It's mm -hmm. like, it's here. I notice when it pings, I check things. But what the research found was that people switch activities on an average of three minutes, three minutes, right? And a lot of that is our phones pinging mm -hmm. and popping up or our email notifications, and, you know, you think, oh, it's not that big a deal, or, right? I'll check my text or I'll check that email and then I'll go back to what I'm working on. But it was Gloria Mark who did this research and she also found it takes an average of 23 minutes to get back to whatever we were doing. So you think about what we're losing in productivity there. It's huge. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing that they found in that same study was that the more interruptions we have, the more stressed out we are we're more frustrated, we're, you know, we're unable to get things done and we're feeling more stressed out. So, 
you know, I just feel like honestly, if we just put our phones away, even for like an hour or two, when we're doing our really focused, concentrated work, you know, that multitasking and that distraction is going to be gone. Well, because it, it doesn't let us get into a state of flow, you know, so it's everyone ends up kind of on that surface level of work, never actually hitting that deepest point of creativity and, and being in the zone, so to speak. So, Absolutely. oh my, yeah. And then we, we're, we're not doing deep thinking mm-hmm. either, which is really, really important. I mean, not just for us, but for whatever projects or, or work we're working on. Um, and we're just not getting as much done. And that's, you know, when I think back to a lot of the clients that I work with where they were like, I have to stay till eight at night or have to stay till 10 at night because I'm in these meetings all day and I just don't get stuff done. And I was like, look, you know, there's a few things that you can do, right? You schedule. And I would, every client I worked with, I was like, you schedule one hour of closed door time every day and you put your phone away and you turn your notifications off and you get your work done. And what I would often say to people is try and do that early in the day because you know, our attention and our focus and our decision-making, all that gets used up throughout the day. It's limited. So when we can actually do our most important work early in the day, we get a lot more done, right? You get way more done from 9 to 10 a.m. than you do from like 7 to 8 p.m. when you're exhausted and your brain is done, right? And the other thing that I force my clients to do, and it's hilarious because they hate me for it for like two days, and then they're like, oh my God, you changed my life. which is to take breaks every 90 minutes, right? So the research, Tony Schwartz wrote a great book called The Way We're Working Isn't Working. And his research found that we cycle through every 90 minutes. And if we can take a break every 90 minutes, just a quick 10 minute break, we recharge our energy. And then we're way more productive throughout the day and we're way less stressed throughout the day as well. So, um, you know, I get people to actually put it in your calendar, like make it pop up. And I, when I was writing my book, I found this research and I thought, okay, I'm going to do it. And I, you know, I went from like where, you know, it would take me a week and I, it would be exhausting and I would be so done at the end of the week in terms of, you know, just my brain. Cause when you're writing, as you know, right, it's like a lot of focus and attention. Um, so it'd take me, you know, like a week to get through, you know, 10 pages. And then when I started implementing the breaks, not only was I way faster, right? So I could get through 10 pages in like a couple of days, but again, that deep thinking, I could slip into it way more easily because my brain wasn't exhausted anymore. You know, I always say it's like, you're not, you would never expect your body to go for eight hours without a break, right? You just wouldn't, you can't run for eight hours without stopping and taking a break and eating and drinking. It's exactly the same thing for your brain. You need to give it a break. And when you do, you're actually more productive. And so, you know, I have so many clients who don't stop and take lunch. And once I forced them to stop and take lunch, they were like, I am, I have recharged my energy and my afternoons are so much more productive. I don't have to stay late anymore. I'm getting everything done. It's a huge, huge, easy thing to implement that makes a huge impact. Well, and it's interesting too, because it almost feels like in society nowadays, it's like a badge of honor to just work, 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 work without breaks but it's actually just a lot of bad habits being reinforced that have all of these negative, negative side effects. So it's, it's, I wonder where it came from, you know, where, where it became something glorified to just be a workaholic and hustle all of the time where somewhere along the line, all of these good habits were lost and people forgot the benefit in rest. Yes, absolutely. And I totally agree. I think we're caught up in this cultural norm of, if I'm busy, I'm important, 
Mm, and I think mm-hmm. that we need to let go of that thinking, right? Because, because busy is not productive. No. And, and busy drains us, right? And then we have no energy left for the people in our lives that we really love, right? We get home at the end of the day and we're exhausted and we're wrecked and we're not able to connect with what we're really passionate about or the people that we really love. And that is no way to live a life, right? You're not thriving when you're doing that. Definitely so not. I, I really, really think we need to switch absolutely exactly what you said. Busy isn't productive. So let's focus on being productive. And, you know, it's been interesting for me, some of the clients that, that work in these, in these places where there is this culture of like, no, 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 you don't take breaks. Right. And so we've had to work with that culture and they've had to say, you know what? The research has found that when I take the break, I actually get way more done. And I'm experiencing that too. And watch my outputs. And once people see the outputs, then they, they see the difference. And once people see, you know what, she's working till five every night and she's getting more done. Then they're like, oh, maybe I want to try that. I think I might take a lunch break too. <laughs> what do you think is the number one thing that keeps people unproductive? Is there one standout productivity killer that you see from all of the different clients and companies that you come in contact with? Well, <laughs> It's tricky. I mean, I think on a personal level, I think it's our phones and our relationship with our phones and our ability to distract ourselves, right? Like that's what I just see people doing over and over. You know, you check your email 27 times in three hours because you can, right? That's not productive. It's not actually helping you get where you need to get to. And then in terms of an organizational level, what I see is this culture of meetings, meetings, meetings. And, you know, like people, people book their entire day of meetings and then they can't get any work done. So, which is why, again, I, I just, I really encourage people to just book an hour for themselves every day. And, you know, one of my favorite techniques is called a Pomodoro. Which oh, I is, love you know, Pomodoro. Yeah, they're so great, right? So you basically, it's a sprint, right? And you set yourself a timer and for 25 minutes, you just work and you have no interruptions and you go, go, go. And you'll get so much more done in that time, right? And then you're supposed to take a five minute break and then you can do a couple more if you've got time. But you know, I always say to my clients, I'm like, if you can get one of those done in a day, 25 minutes of focused attention where you're not checking your phone, you've turned your email notifications off, you're, you're not interrupted, right? I think that letting ourselves, allowing ourselves to be interrupted is one of the biggest productivity impacts that there is out there. I've also heard it said, or I was talking to one of my girlfriends about this, how dangerous meetings are because oftentimes it's just such busy work. And, and we came to the conclusion, we said, you know, it would really be most beneficial if every single meeting came with a desired end result where it was, okay, the meeting is scheduled. And by the end of the meeting, this is what we will know or do, or this is the action step to move forward. Because so often people just have these meetings filling their, their Google calendar and then you end the meeting and you're like, well, we're in the same place we were when we started. <laughs> so yeah. and, it's and such a waste point? of time, right? Like, yeah. what was the point? So it's, it's like, go into the meeting already knowing what you're working to achieve, because that will keep everybody aligned on the same page where you're actually being productive in some way, because you have to go from point A to point B and you can't, you got to do something to get there. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think the other thing people need to do is question whether they even need a meeting about it. Yeah. Right? Because often it can be a quick email or it can be a five minute conversation, right? You don't always need. So it's like, think about, as you say, what's the desired outcome? What's the purpose here? 
do we need the meeting and who needs to be in the meeting? Because I see so many people get pulled into meetings that they don't need to be there, right? So it's like, really, I think we need to dial it back and think through how do we, how do we make our meetings effective and how do we not meet when we don't need to? Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, now with so many people working from home, I'm seeing it more and more where it's like, okay, we'll just stack it with meetings. It's like, this, is, this isn't effective, right? So figure out when you need to meet, who needs to be there, and as you say, what the desired outcome is. Mm-hmm. So bringing the two ideas together, stress and productivity, you obviously just came out with your book, Working Well, 12 Simple Strategies to Manage Stress and Increase Productivity. Can you walk listeners through a few of your favorites? Yeah, I have so many favorites. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, one of the ones that I, that I talked about earlier was the taking breaks, right? It's such an easy, simple one. Um, and, you know, I will say that a true break is where you're off your screens. So you don't just take a break and sit in your chair and look at your phone, right? But you, you actually get off a screen. Um, ideally, you go for a walk or get, you know, a little bit of movement. And you have a, like a glass of water, right? So things that are good for your body. Um, one of my, like, one of the things that came up for me in the research, which just, it really shifted my mindset in a big way, uh, was a book by Sean Aker called The Happiness Advantage. And, you know, you, I see you, you know it. It's a great um, book. But it really, really, it shifted my mindset, right? Because basically what he found was that happier people get better outcomes in absolutely every aspect of their life, right? They get more promotions, they get more sales, they're better doctors, they're, be- they're better at whatever they do, they're better at the relationships. They found that when we're happy, we're 31% more productive and our stress is reduced by 23%. So when people ask me like, what are strategies? I'm like, you know what? You just have to focus on looking after yourself and doing the things that make you happy. And if you can do that stuff, right? You come to work energized, you come to work full. And, you know, some of the the research-based strategies that help us, you know, kind of create more happiness in our life. One of the ones that I love that I implement into all my meetings and I've implemented it with my family and is to identify three things that you're grateful for every day. So really thinking through and looking at specifically what three things went well today that you're feeling grateful for. And it's a way of retraining our brains because our brains are hardwired to seek out the risks, right? This is, again, how we have survived. It's neuroscience. So it's really easy for us to all day long go through and see what's not working well and what's stressing it out, us out and what's you know causing us some stress and some anxiety. It's a lot harder for us to look and see what's going well. But when we can start to retrain our brains by just every single day focusing on three things that went well, that we're happy about, that feel good, right? That starts to shift our energy and it also retrains our brain to look for what's going well. The other thing that I really, really work with everyone that I work with on is that focus on relationships. Because the research has found, right, that that, uh, having the quality and the strength of our relationships protects us from mental health issues, from physical health issues, and it leads to a long, healthy, happy life. So I feel like at work so often, we're so busy and we're so focused on just getting stuff done. But when we have really good, strong working relationships, it actually helps us be way more productive and it helps us enjoy work more, which makes us happier, which makes us get more done, right? So I really, really encourage people to just, you know, focus, like I have a a course on, you know, strengthening your working relationships because, it's the thing that we don't focus on. And it's one of the things that's super important. 
So how can people boost their productivity without also boosting their stress? You know, like if a listener maybe struggles with the connection between the two and automatically starts to feel their heart beat a little faster if their output is increased, or maybe if the expectation of their output is increased, is there a way to straddle the two and make them more mutually exclusive? Mm, it's, it, it's such a good question and it's such a good, um, it's a challenge that we have, right? And I, you know, when I was writing the, the chapters on productivity and on working with your brain and on neuroscience, I was like, oh no, is this going to stress people out? It's <laughs> <laughs> like exactly what I don't want to do. But what I always come back to is when we reduce our stress, we're 31% more productive. Right? And I really believe that if we're working well, we're working from a place of ease. We're working from a place where we're relaxed, where we're filled up, where we're not super anxious and stressed out and pushing, pushing, pushing and putting all that pressure on ourselves. So a lot of it is a mindset and is a using you know, all these strategies to help you reduce and manage your stress because then you're naturally more productive. And if we're super stressed out, we can't think clearly. We're not able to be as productive as we want. But a lot of the things that I teach are things that do straddle the two, right? So, you know, if you meditate every morning just for 10 minutes, and you know, like I said, when I first heard about it, I first tried it, I was like, I can't do this, it's so weird. And this was, you know, God, this was before phones and apps, right? Now there's so many amazing apps, right? There's Smiling Mind or Calm or Headspace, they've all got all these free guided meditations. If you do that for just 10 minutes every morning, not only does it reduce your stress and kind of strengthen your ability to handle whatever emotional stuff comes at your way throughout the day, it also increases your ability to focus and to concentrate. So it's doing both, right? It's, it's the same with like taking breaks. If you take a break, you're reducing your stress and you're going to go back feeling more productive. Um, I think that we're, I think that we tend to, we just want to focus on productivity, 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 because we're so panicked about getting everything done. But the other thing that I really work with people around productivity is, is again, because we have so much coming at us, if we identify every single day, our top three priorities, mm. right? We've got something to focus on and to work towards, and we feel less stressed at the end of the day because we've accomplished them. So they have to be achievable, right? And I'm saying, especially now with everything going on in the world, it's like, you want to make these super achievable. So that at the end of the day, you tick them off, which gives you some momentum, which inspires you to keep going. And you want to tick them off. You want to actually physically do that because you're celebrating your wins, right? You're going, okay, I did this. I got some stuff done and it generates the momentum and that's where we keep going. So, you know, I think there's, there's so many things that we, that we do naturally that increase our stress and that decrease our productivity. And that's why we need to get really conscious about, replacing some of those negative habits, right? Stopping the multitasking, stopping checking our phones, stopping uh, just working till 10 every night, because those things, they're not, they're actually not helping us. And I think we get into a really negative spiral. A lot of my clients are like, you know, they, they're working till 10 every night. And when I meet them, they're super stressed out. They're not productive. They're not sleeping well. Their relationships are spiraling down, right? Because they're working till 10 every night. So their home life isn't so great. And again, it's a negative spiral because they're exhausted. So the next day they're not very productive. So they work till 10 again, right? And it's like, it's recognizing this isn't working for me and making the changes that you need to make. And honestly, even if, 
Like if people just do really simple things, like start every day with a 10 minute meditation, put their breaks in every 90 minutes and actually get outside and go for a walk and move their bodies. Um, and they put their phones away and they focus on three things that they're grateful for. They're like, try those. Please ask people to let you know how it goes and then let me know because the impacts of just doing those little things are massive, right? That will, that will decrease stress and increase productivity naturally, just doing all those things. Which is amazing because so, like we said before, so many times people won't do these super simple things that are right in front of our faces. But it's like, hey, if it's, if it's easy, I mean, would you rather it be something super difficult or super expensive or super time consuming? Like, no, take the easy, take the easy win and make it happen. Because if the impact is that huge, why the heck not? And, you know, on that note, when we don't do the easy stuff, then that's when it does get hard, right? Like when people have come to me, often they do, they have big relationship issues. They have big health issues, right? It's like, we want to, like I said, we want to be proactive and catch it when things are, when things are easy to do and it is easy to turn them around. Mm -hmm. So there's obviously tons more strategies in the book that are very specific and easy. And I called it 12 simple strategies because I wanted people to know, like, it is really easy if you do it. You just mm -hmm. got to start doing it. Yeah. I mean, I have to note working well is listed as a must read for anyone wanting to thrive at work, no matter how difficult their manager or their coworkers might be. So super relevant to all of our friends listening on the Thrive podcast right now for thriving in the workplace. So make sure you pick up a copy on Amazon when you're done listening to this episode. So Stephanie, I want to close out by asking you two things that I ask all guests who come on the Thrive podcast. And that is, what does Thrive mean to you? And how do you strive to thrive in your own everyday life? A great question. And I, I really, I love what you're doing with your podcast because you're, you're giving people the resources to thrive, right? And I think for me, it's, it's living what I'm passionate about, right? So finding my passion and living it and doing it to the best of my ability and letting it be the thing that fills me and stopping before it drains me, right? Because <laughs> every, everything can be taken too far, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like, letting that passion be what fills me and then using that, that energy to also connect with the other things that fill me in my life, right? My kids, my husband, my friends, my writing, reading books, doing yoga, like doing the things that I love. So I think that that's, and how I strive to thrive is to, to, to just do it. Right. And I know it, it sounds simple, but it's like, sometimes it is so hard. It feels so hard to get up in the morning and meditate for 10 minutes. It feels so hard to take a break and actually go for a walk. It feels so hard to pick up the phone and call a friend and say, I'm having a tough day. But those are the things you have to do, right? That's how you thrive, to, to be vulnerable enough and to push yourself and to care enough about yourself to be able to do those things. Mm. And on that note, that was excellent. <laughs> so where can people find you online? So I am I'm kind of all over the place, but I'm, I'm, not, I'm not as good at online stuff as many people are. So my website is managetoengage.com. So just spelled the words, you know, M-A-N-A-G-E-T-O-E-N-G-A-G-E.com. Um, on Facebook, you can find me at Stephanie Berryman. On Instagram, I'm at Stephanie Berryman Author. 
and I know I have a Twitter account, but I don't even know what it is, but I can't figure Twitter out. So yeah, that's me online. And then of course my book is on Amazon. If you just look up Working Well, that's there as well as some of my other books. Awesome. So thank you so much for being on Thrive today and everyone go be sure to pick up your copy of Working Well on Amazon or wherever uh, you get your books. Thanks so much. Wait, before you go, if you like what you just listened to, drop us five stars on iTunes. Make sure you're subscribed to never miss an episode of Thrive. And if you're on Instagram, snap a screenshot and share to your story with what episode you're tuning into and tag me at Erica Legenza with what part resonated with you the most. That way I can see what's helping you and your friends can pick up a helpful tidbit too. Thanks for tuning in. It's your time to thrive.